Welcome back to Leaders Consulting. Jonathan Bailey Strong here. Today we're going to do a solo episode and I'm going to share a couple of guidelines around team communication that I recently implemented with my agency. Now, what does this have to do with consulting? Well, I feel that these could be helpful for consultants where maybe you're working on a project that requires team collaboration or even just working with your own virtual assistants or other members on your team if you're part of a small consultancy, for example. Now, many of these are common sense, uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're good practices for everyone to follow. And let me just kind of start off with why this came about with my agency. So I work with my team pretty much it's like 99% of our communication is remote and async. And so most of it takes place on Slack. Occasionally we have calls between team members, but basically good communication when we can't see each other is really important. It helps us with problem solving and taking as a whole, you know, these are very small things, small behaviors when it comes to communication, but they can really have an outsized impact. And we did have a couple of breakdowns in our communication. It's affected our operational efficiency. So these are some guidelines that we implemented to basically avert those, really. So obviously it's implicit why it's important. But just to add to that, other things, uh, you know, we came to, like I said, this isn't a comprehensive list, but just good communication helps increase empathy between team members. It helps us avoid unnecessary back and forth and bottleneck creation. And a really important one I found was, you know, if I had a task that I needed someone else to do, if they didn't acknowledge that they'd read and understood it, it created this sort of open cognitive loop in my mind so that I was constantly thinking of it at the back of my mind. Oh, has this been taken care of? Is, you know, someone on top of this? And it was hard to tell without that feedback. And uh, we'll come, actually, this is part of one of the guidelines, but also by having a culture of open communication so that we're having conversations where other team members uh, can also see those conversations that are going on, it allows us to learn from each other. Coming on to the, t- to the guidelines. So there are nine of them that I'll share with you today. The first one is basically confirming having received, read, and understood messages. Um, And sometimes that can be as simple as just adding an emoji reaction in Slack. At the very least, I would actually say it's actually better to actually have some form of written confirmation as opposed to just purely a, a an emoji reaction, because that won't come up as a notification. And again, you want to basically remove those open loops and people kind of wondering to themselves, well, you know, has this actually been, has this message actually been received? And one analogy you can think of, uh, or different kind of context or situation, uh, is if you think of basically organizations that run mission critical operations. So if you think about the military, right? You know, when the commander says, uh, shouts out orders, everyone says, yes, sir. And they'll, they'll repeat. They'll often repeat back to the person who's communicating that they've received the message and it's being actioned. Uh, and they say that very loudly and clearly. And hey, it may be over the top, but there's a reason why they do that. One of the things that I've always found really interesting is whenever, so I have every now and then I need to go to a 
clinic and I have uh, an effu- infusion that's, that's administered. And I always wondered, I always thought it was fascinating to see and hear the nurses check my name and then check my name with each other and the date of birth. And they're basically looking at the medication, making sure they're giving the right medication to me. And it seems like the most obvious thing. I'm like, how, you know, how does it really require a second person to double check? But obviously there's a, re- again, there's a reason for that. There must be, have been occasions in the past where, you know, basically the wrong medication was administered and obviously the repercussions of that were very serious. So confirmation of, of receiving messages and understood them, paraphrasing them back as well uh, can be really helpful. Uh, so on to number two, always giving an indication of when tasks or next actions will be carried out and reporting it back once they've been completed. Again, this relates to the idea of closing those open cognitive loops. And, you know, I, I say this mostly as a, as a team, you know, as someone trying to manage a team, but it's also, you know, if I was being told to, you know, do something that this is also something that I would, I would actually do myself as well. So the next guideline I have here is the third one is being detailed and specific uh, as much as possible to avoid ambiguity. So that basically means including names to whatever you're referring to, whether it's file names, people, uh, and links to anything referred to. Making this as simple as possible to understand. Basically, you, the the burden of sharing information is on the side of the person who's delivering the message rather than the person receiving it. So if you send a message and you don't want to expect the person receiving it to immediately understand what you're saying without any context given or having to look up a link or something like that, because you're, you, it's, it's basically common courtesy to provide everything up front so that the other person didn't have to spend time figuring out exactly what it, what you mean. Now, this is also important in the context of having open communication because you know, if you're working with a team, someone leaves and someone else comes back in, they need to uh, basically be able to look through the digital paper trail and figure out what people have been talking about in the past. It helps onboard and train them effectively. The fourth one I have here, uh, when, so most of what I'm describing so far is, is pretty much text. And that's the main method of communication that uh, we usually use in the g- digital workspace. But when that is, in, is alone is insufficient to explain, the idea is to also include supporting screenshots or uh, Loom video um, to help clarify. Loom videos being extremely effective in immediately helping people understand exactly what the issue is and oftentimes a lot easier to explain that way. I often do this when I'm dealing with uh, tech support of any kind, I'll just send a, a short limb video, Loom video that explains exactly what's going on and where I'm seeing issues. It's interesting as well to see uh, there's like a proliferation of, of new communication tools similar to Loom, uh, one of which is called Zip Message. This is a platform that was founded by a chap called Brian Castle. And Zip Message in essence, you know, looks and feels similar to Loom, then the difference being that it allows you to kind of 
have video async videos conversations basically so you have someone sends out a video someone sends a video reply and someone else sends a video reply and so forth so it's like having this back and forth conversation uh but over video async and it's interesting uh brian talks about how uh they he started what the the way this platform kind of came to be was he was finding a lot of his team operations were being slowed down by having uh, video meetings uh, that weren't always the best use of everyone's time. And because of that, he decided to implement this way of having these kind of async discussions that, you know, resulted in really good outcomes and, and getting people on the same page, but basically also saved people a lot of time that was previously previously spent on these, you know, zoom calls, basically. Number five, this one I find really important is rather than simply presenting a problem or a situation is to actually be proactive about offering next suggested steps or actions. And this one may not be the most intuitive for people at first if they're not used to this, but you know, by by presenting a problem situation, oftentimes by doing so, you're again placing burden on the recipient uh, to come up with uh, you know the way forward. Um, whereas, if you're able to actually preemptively offer a solution, uh, that's often much better for everybody involved. Basically, even if you might know not know what the exact uh, way forward is and it's also a learning opportunity as well by doing that so that is number five number six i have on my list here is if there are any unforeseen delays that may mean that you are unable to meet a deadline to let other people on your team know and also give an updated estimated time of completion uh, so that planning can be adjusted or the task can be reassigned pretty self-obvious that one doesn't really require much more explanation than that and then the next one i have here number seven and i've kind of mentioned this already once or twice is that all internal team communication uh should be done so uh, we use slack so basically instead of direct messaging people on slack we made sure that uh, we are using slack channels that the rest of the team can see and uh, this is actually something that, you know, originally what was happening was everyone was, uh, me as a, an agency owner, a manager, I was, everybody was having direct communication with me, but not with each other. And even if the discussions are happening with me, it's good to have other team members be able to see that as well, to see what's going on. Now, the only exceptions for that we have is, um, you know, if it's something that's just completely irrelevant for everybody else or it relates to private matters, obviously that should be done over direct message. One of the, uh, just as a side note, one of the things that we do as well is we use two main communication channels. One is Slack and one is Telegram. And the way we use Slack is, is mostly as a team, and that's where most of the com uh, communication lives. It's also somewhere where I really encourage people to set what their working hours are. Um, so really say, you know, I'm working nine to five after those hours. You know, I, I don't really want to be notified. And that's fine. That's kind of the expectation that we've set. 
um, so that they can pick up those notifications when they're working out, you know, when they come back to their working hours. But if there's anything that's, that does require immediate attention, uh, like my attention, oftentimes, I will have people message me on Telegram, where I see the instant messages pop up instantaneously. Um, that's one of the things I really like about Slack, that it does offer you that ability to basically say, from these hours, I just don't want to deal with, uh, you know, notifications, basically. Um, as opposed to these other messaging platforms, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and so forth, that are much more um, instant in the way that they, they ping and notify you. So that's something that you can potentially consider as well. Uh, the next guideline I have here, number eight, and actually I could probably think about reordering some of these because, you know, being proactive with your communication, well, this it relates to one of the earlier points, which is why I think maybe this could be, this list could be reordered a little bit. So I think in, in one of the previous points I mentioned that when presenting a problem or a situation actually pro provide the solution as well. Uh, this is similar to that, but in, in terms of being proactive about your communication, uh, but it's more about when you see a potential future problem or issue arising in advance, or if you can feel as though some kind of improvement could be made, um, is to make the team aware uh, well ahead of time. And I really love uh, seeing it when uh, team members do this. And I definitely do have team members who are very good at, at doing this, uh, but it really makes such a big difference. And then the final one I have here, number nine, is if you have, if there's certain communication, um, particularly client communication, I find that's something that can be, that it tends to be repeated and can be standardized, uh, it should be templated. And in fact, you know, those templates, those message templates are things that can really be uh, refined and improved. And so we have a, uh, a page in Notion uh, where we simply just have these uh, code blocks. You could just, you know, one click to copy and paste uh, where, you know, there may be some variables, but they're, they're messages, they're templated messages uh, that we always tend to use in certain scenarios. So those are my nine guidelines that we came up with. Like I say, uh, not entirely comprehensive. So if you have any other suggestions, do let me know. You can tweet me at John B. Strong. And just also add, you know, communication really, you know, is, is a challenging thing, uh, especially when you're working with a remote team. Uh, and also when you're working with uh, people with different, from different cultures. One thing that I've uh, come across is that uh, kind of cultural nuance, which I've had to learn how to work with, is in Asian culture, there's a concept of saving face, which is uh, basically a tendency to not necessarily, it's sort of a fear of being shown up as, uh, you know, that you don't understand something, you've made a mistake. And so because people are afraid of doing so, that prevents them for, from being entirely transparent. Um, I actually once had a girlfriend from Thailand uh, who used to tell me uh, that in work environments, it was very common um, from her experience and even from her own approach to work uh, to actually avoid, just completely avoid bringing up an issue, even if they knew it was going to burn the whole company down, even if it was like 
really, uh, really, really bad, they would have rather just let that happen rather than admit that they didn't know what to do about the problem. So that's, you know, that's pretty extreme, but that's, that's something that, uh, you know, can be, can be the challenge. But hopefully by sharing these guidelines, so these guidelines are now something that we're onboarding team members with. It's interesting. I haven't found like too many resources around uh, team communication. If if you are listening to this, are aware of uh, some good ones, please do let me know because I'd love to love to discover them. I would say two interesting books I've read around communication, not necessarily relating to the so much to the idea of async remote communication, but um, just interpersonal relationships, uh, nonviolent communication. Um, is a, a great framework and there's a book um, all about this uh, which is a really great framework yeah it basically helps people address um, you know differences of opinion in a way that's non-confrontational uh, but at the same time allows people to be seen and heard another book uh, along similar lines that's also really great is uh book called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. Uh, that's also a fantastic book. Th- those are two good books, you know, and good for the workplace. I would say a lot of books relating to communication tend to deal with negotiation, sales and so forth. But yeah, just, it's just a bit of a pity that there isn't more out there uh, specifically around team communication. So I suppose today's episode is my contribution to the very small field of best practices when it comes to team communication. To sum up those guidelines, what they were again. So first of all, always confirm having received, read and understood messages. Two, uh, giving an indication of when tasks or next actions will be carried out, reporting back once they've been completed. Three, being detailed and specific to avoid ambiguity. Four, when text alone is insufficient, include supporting screenshots uh, or alone video and so on. Five, offering next suggested steps and actions in addition to presenting a problem or a situation. Six, if there are unforeseen delays that mean that you're unable to meet a deadline, letting others know as soon as you can and give an estimated time of completion. Seven, unless it really clutters up internal channels or is irrelevant to the rest of the team or relates to private matters, all internal communication should be done using Uh, open channels rather than direct messages. Number eight, being proactive with your communication. So if you can see a potential problem you can see will arise in the future, or you feel as though an improvement can be made, making your team aware ahead of time. And then finally, nine, if some of your communication, this particularly applies to client communication, if you find that some of it can be repeated and standardized, you should template it. Uh, So that wraps up this solo episode. Until next time, take care.